0: Welcome to the Dunwoody Community Church Podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to listen in to one of our Sunday services, and we hope that you will be blessed by today's message. For more information about Dunwoody Community Church, please visit us at dunwoodychurch.org. That's dunwoodychurch.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning again. Um, If you're visiting with us for the first time, my name is Jeff Jansen. I'm the teaching pastor here. Not really. Uh, I do want to take just a moment and um, honor Jeff. Jeff is not here this week. He's on a much-deserved vacation. He's down in Florida spending time with his family, with his mom and dad, with his kids. Uh, most of his kids are down there with or one of his kids is down there with him. How many kids are down there? One. Okay. So, as I said, a much-needed vacation from his family <laughs> with certain family, family members um, but I do want to just take this moment to acknowledge the gifts that we have in Jeff Jansen as a teaching pastor. Um, I think the Word of God is taught more clearly and more accurately maybe at this church and many churches around the world. Uh, I appreciate Jeff's commitment every week to spend time diligently studying the word uh, so that each week he can come with what we say is a word for God, for the from God, for the people at a moment in history. So uh, our, our thanks and gratitude go to Jeff as he's away for two weeks. And uh, be lifting him up, pray that this would be a great time for him to recharge his batteries to uh, be excited about coming back. Remember last year when he went away for a little bit of a break, he came back and said, hey, uh, Jeff, what'd you do on your break? He said, oh, I memorized Romans. I said, of course you did. So (laughs) who doesn't do that on their vacation? But but that really is the kind of guy that Jeff is, just a, a man of the word, and we are blessed to have him as our senior teaching pastor here. So um, this week, we're going to be taking, actually, the next couple weeks and the next season, we're taking a break from our series we've been doing at 1 Corinthians called Church at Its Worst. Um, you know, as we looked at this next season of ministry, what we talked about is we want this next season to be kind of a relaunch of our church. We've been through so many changes, so many uh, things have happened over the last year and a half. You know, it's been a crazy year and a half, and we felt like it was time to kind of regroup and talk about who we are as a church and to actually do more of a relaunch of our church. And we're gonna do a series starting on August the 8th that goes through all of our core values and what we call our discipleship marks. If you look on our website, we're gonna look at things like uh, love of scripture, authentic community, um, prayer, holistic worship, intentional discipleship, sacrificial service, and a missional mindset. So that's going to be beginning on August the 8th. But for the next couple of weeks, as Jeff takes a little bit of break, um, I felt led by God to do a couple of weeks talking about the kingdom of God, to give us a kingdom perspective. You know, we've been doing this series called Church at Its Worst, and we talk a lot about the church, rightly so, because this is who we are, we're a local representation of the global church that went from the time of Jesus all the way through uh, the consummation of his kingdom. Um, We talk a lot about the church, but what's surprising is Jesus didn't talk a lot about the church. As a matter of fact, in the gospels, we see him mention church only twice. Um, The first time was when uh, he asked his followers, say, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, you're right, and upon this rock or upon this declaration of truth, I'm gonna build my church. That's the first time. The second time he mentioned church was in Matthew 18 in the context of church discipline. How do you deal with somebody who is uh, engaged in intentional unrepentant sin in the church? Those are the only two times he talks about the church. But in the ESV, at least, the word kingdom is mentioned one hundred and twenty-six times in the gospel, so Jesus was not focused on planting a church, but building a kingdom. And you think about it, Jesus could have planted a pretty good church. You know, uh, he had this idea, this church planting team he pulled together. He's got his twelve elders who were part of it. He had about, um, you know, a couple hundred people following him, following him around. He could have planted a good church, Jerusalem Community Church. Man, you got great teaching, uh, need a miracle, we got that. The, the potlucks afterwards, don't bring any food, just bring me like a couple, couple of fish and a few loaves and we'll feed everybody. What a great church that's gonna be. But Jesus didn't do that. He was more focused on building the kingdom of God. And, you know, he said weird things like the uh, Israelites at that time were looking for a physical kingdom because all of the prophets were talking about this time when God would reign physically on earth and they were looking for that. And then Jesus said these weird things like the kingdom of God is in your midst. What's that all about? Um, He was talking about the kingdom of God began with with the reign of Christ in the hearts of Christ's followers and ultimately the consummation will be the actual physical rule. There'll be a physical kingdom where he's reigning physically. But right now we are in that here but not yet time of the kingdom of God that Jesus is, is ruling, he's ruling, he's reigning in our hearts and in the hearts of Christ's followers but we're still waiting for that full fulfillment of the kingdom of God. So for the next couple of weeks, we're gonna be looking at how the kingdom of God spreads and how it grows as we look at some uh, some of the teachings of Jesus. And we're gonna be looking in Mark chapter four. So if you wanna go ahead and turn turn to Mark four. Um, for the next two weeks, we're gonna look at Mark four. We're gonna sneak into Mark five a little bit. Now, a little bit of a confession. Um, this is not the first time that I've taught this, this message. Uh, when I was in Rome, A couple weeks ago and I'll I'll intersperse some of my Rome stories into this. I actually gave this message at the church there. Now this was at more of a uh, charismatic Pentecostal church. So there were no time constraints. So what was one sermon there? Good news to you guys will be two sermons here. I've broken it up into two because um, I was actually texting some some people when the service started. I love this church there. They started at 11 o'clock and um, at, a, at an hour and a half into the service, we are into the first offering, okay? And then uh, the message began, and two and a half hours in, we're into the second, second except, to, except the second offering kind of thing, so good news for you. Uh, I won't be standing up here for two hours preaching this. I'll be breaking this up into two weeks. And another fun fact that you may or may not care about is I'm wearing the exact same outfit as when I taught it there, <laughs> so. Thanks very much for that. Um, it worked there, so I thought, and and you know something's up. Stephen was like, why you got your shirt tucked in today, bro? And so, well, it's because I'm preaching, so I want to look good. So we'll be looking at Mark chapter 4, and today we're going to be looking at uh, the parable of the sower, or the parable of the four soils. And um, I'm going to read this here. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9, and I'm sorry, Uh, Jeff always uses a pew Bibles and everything. I've been using this Bible since 1988, and I know where everything is. So I'm reading from the New American Standard, um, and you guys just follow along as best as you can. So Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. It says, And he began to teach again by the sea, and such a very great multitude gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables and was saying to them in his teaching, listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. And it came about that as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road and the birds came and ate it up. And other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depths of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns came up and choked it and it yielded no crop. And other seeds fell into the good soil and as they grew up and increased they yielded a crop and produced thirty and produced 30, sixty and a hundredfold. And he was saying, he who has ears to hear let him hear. So to set the stage a little bit, this parable shows up, you know, if we assume that Mark is written in chronological order as we go across, this is after Jesus had selected his 12 disciples or his, his 12 who were gonna be part of his inner circle. Um, most scholars believe this about a year and a half into his three-year ministry. So this wasn't like the first time he showed up. Uh, he was very well-known. People were following him. There were maybe, uh, you know, at one point, he sent 70 people out in pairs to do ministry so there's maybe a couple hundred people who are following him around all the time. Um, his fame had uh, had grown um, exponentially and so much so that there was a great multitude of people who heard, hey, Jesus is here. He's gonna teach. We need to go check this out. We need to go check him out. So this is a really exciting time. You know, there's maybe maybe a few thousand people who were showing up here to hear Jesus, wow, we've heard about this guy, we wanna hear what he has to say, how, how awesome will this be? So the crowd was made up of a lot of people who were just kind of curious, I wanna find out what he's all about, to a lot of people who had already made a decision to follow him and then also the 12 and all their family. So this was an exciting time, Jesus is gonna be here and the crowds are so big that he has to go into a boat and, and teach everybody because they're, they're so big. And he starts out. He says, "Listen to this." At least in my translation, in, my, in yours it might say, "Listen" or you know, pay attention to what I'm about to say. Oh, he's going to tell us something really important. Um, you know, I love when when preachers are up and they're kind of going on, blah 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 kind of thing. Not that we do that as preachers, but blah blah blah. But then to say, "Now listen to this." Oh, you want me to pay attention now? Okay. So Jesus is setting this up. There's this crowd. There's this excitement, and he's saying. Listen to this. Listen to how important this is. And then at the end of it, he kind of wraps it up. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear. So he, he's, he, he gives a, wraps it around this whole thing. Of, this is really, really important for you to hear. So these people are waiting on the edge of their seats. Listen to this. I'm about to tell you something really exciting. Listen to this. And then he tells this short story about farming, And, you know, I don't know exactly how long this went, but all this shows up in three of the Gospels. And in all three of the Gospels, it tells the story, and then it said, then he was with his disciples. um, They were asking about this. And I'm wondering if the people were thinking, you know, I came all this way, and I hear a two-minute story about a farmer. What's up with that? Now, for some of you, this might be the ultimate sermon. Like, I get up and say, Jesus loves me. This, is, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Let's, cr- let's close in prayer. Amen. That was a great sermon. But these people were excited about, we finally get to hear this great preacher, this great teacher and he gives this little short story. And I don't know, I, I'm, I'm guessing that some people were thinking, is that it? Is that all we get? I thought this guy was like some ex- amazing expositor or some amazing preacher. But that's all he, all he gave for this. And so I think we need to dig into this a lot to see obviously there's something very important that we can learn from here. So if we go on in uh, verses 10 through 13, Um, I'm gonna call these verses the exclusivity of the parables. Listen to this, listen to what it says. It says, and as soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the 12, again, these are maybe a couple hundred followers, along with the 12 that he had called out, began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside get everything in parables in order that while seeing, they may see and not perceive. And while hearing, they may hear and not understand, lest they return and be forgiving. You know, this is a shocking truth about these parables. We think that Jesus, obviously, he wanted to reveal truth to everybody. He wants everybody to know what he's talking about. But in reality, what this says is these parables are meant to reveal truth to Christ followers and they're meant to hide truth for people who don't believe that he is who he says he was. Now, he even quotes Isaiah here in this text. Uh, This is a quote from Isaiah, where Isaiah was preaching to the residents of Judah before the Babylonian captivity, saying, this is coming, you need to turn, you need to repent, you need to return, you need to repent. And in the same way, this word of God was going out, and most people aren't going to hear it. They're not gonna turn and, and repent. But he said, to those of you who seek me, who follow you, I'm going to let you know these secrets of the kingdom of God. Now we all love secrets, you know. Don't you love it when um, you know? If I come up to Terrell, I say, "Hey, Terrell, come here. I got I'm to tell you a secret. You want no secret? You're like in the inner circle. I don't tell anybody." And Terrell goes and tells everybody, but he wouldn't do that. Um, we love hearing secrets. Well, the great news about the parables is Jesus is peeling back these secrets, these things, these truths about the kingdom of God that most people don't know. So you guys are in the inner circle, um, assuming that you've made a decision to follow Christ, of all the people who've ever lived who get to understand secrets of the kingdom of God. The key to understanding Scripture, the first step to understanding the parable and to any Scripture is that you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and you made him Lord of your life. Once you've done that, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you and he begins to illuminate scripture. Now, the great news about this parable as we go into verses 14 through 20 where we're looking about the explanation of the parable, this is one of the easiest parables to teach because Jesus explains everything for us, okay? So it's not like a parable and we have to figure it out. He lays it all out here. We're just gonna talk about that here. So he talks about... Um, what does this mean? Because he said, Teacher, tell us, tell us, what does this mean? And so he goes on in verses 14. He said, The sower sows the word. And verse 15, And these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. So Jesus is talking about, there's, with this parable, that there's four types of people, there's four responses that we can expect people to have towards the gospel or towards Christ. And he talks about this first soil, this, this hard soil, that the seed was sown uh, by, the, by the, the path and the ground is all packed in and it doesn't really have a chance to germinate and take root and Satan comes and takes away what was there. Jesus is saying that there are some people who will just be completely closed to the gospel. That because Satan has, has dulled their minds or they have, he's prepared the soil, he's packed it so tight that when you give them the word of God, they're not going to hear it. You know, when we were in Rome a couple of weeks ago, um, we've been going there for the last few years. We do a couple things. One, we work with some churches there. There's a, a, a church in um, outside the city of, of Rome called International Christian Church of Rome that I've been working with their worship team. I've become good friends with their pastor and we serve them. Uh, That's where I wore this outfit and and taught the sermon before. So um, it's, it's a really, really good church. And so we're there working with the churches and we're also out and about just looking for opportunities to sow the gospel. Because you know, one of the things that I found here in Atlanta, we have to be very intentional about finding places where we can talk to people about Jesus. Because... You know, we live in our cul-de-sacs. We, uh, we we're we're distributed. We're we're separated. But when you're on Rome, you know, you're out there, and there's people everywhere. I mean, you're in this, this packed city. People are all around. So we're always looking for opportunities to get into spiritual conversations with people. And we had the chance to have a spiritual conversation with about fifty different people in the week and a half that that we were there. Um, and one of the guys that we talked to. So this was um, this was like maybe on the first day that we were there. We arrived on a Friday morning, and when you, when you travel over to Europe, uh, because you fly all night, your goal of the first day is just to stay awake. So you want to be outside, you want to be out walking around, uh, you just want to stay awake because you want to get acclimated to the new time change. So we were actually in St. Peter's Square, of all places, and first of all, it's empty because of the pandemic, nobody's there, but we're sitting over here in the shade, talking, you know, praying. And this guy comes walking up, and he gets in his conversation with him. He starts talking about all this stuff, and he's just rambling. And he starts start talking about philosophy and all these kind of things. And so um, uh, we started talking about Jesus. And when we mentioned the name Jesus, he literally kind of pushed him back a little bit. So I don't know where this guy was as far as his spiritual state as far as was he possessed by a demon, I don't know. But we, he physically stepped back when we mentioned the name of Jesus. He didn't want anything to do with that. Um, we, I tried to get his name, I said, what's your name? And that just freaked him out too. He didn't want to tell, tell me his name. So he kept talking about Greek philosophy and all these kind of things, was completely hard, completely closed to the gospel. We didn't know his name. We call him Phil the Philosopher. But Phil, to me, was like the example of somebody who Satan has hardened his heart so much that there is just no room to receive anything, any spiritual truths. So Jesus said that's one kind one kind of soil, and you know, it's not just secular people who are this way. Unfortunately, Satan has hardened the soil of many people around the world with other religions. We think of our Muslim friends who view Jesus as a great prophet, but when you start mentioning that he is the son of God and Messiah, they back off from that because the soil is very, very hard. So he goes on to say, all right, here's the second kind of soil. We're gonna look at verses 16 through 17. He said, in a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, who when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. And they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then, when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, they fall away. So the first soil is a hard packed soil where they are just completely closed to the gospel. He said, hey, there's a second kind of person, second kind of soil. These are people who. You share the gospel with them, you spirit, share spiritual truths, and they're excited about it. They receive it. This is great. They might even pray to receive Christ. But it says when persecution from the world occurs, uh, they they fall away. You know, one of the things that I love going to, but I'm also very concerned about, is when you go to big evangelism events, where Hey, invite everybody. And the goal is to, get everybody, is to get people to pray the sinner's prayer. You know, we're gonna go, all right, we want you to receive Christ, pray the sinner's prayer. Okay, you prayed that. Good luck with the rest of your life that's leaving a spiritual orphan. And that's a very dangerous place. So one of the things I wanna say about people who accept the word of God, who who accept this, make a prayer, receive it, we have a responsibility. If we've been a part of leading them to Christ, we have a responsibility to come alongside them and then disciple them, grow them to maturity. Because I do think we can have an impact in helping to bring out, you know, root out some of those rocks in their soil to grow them up. We don't wanna have any spiritual spiritual orphans. And I think there's a word to many of us as parents. Don't assume that just because you raise your kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord, that you pour into them that they're going to be okay when they go to college. Now, not to put any fear in there, but the persecution of the world hits big time when we send them off off to college because the worldview is contrary to the Christian worldview. You know, as Jeff talked about, as he's going through, looking at even things about sexuality that he talked about a few weeks ago, uh, what the world says and what the Bible says are completely at odds with one another. So be very intentional, all of us, about let's pour into our next generation before we send them off so that we don't find that they're the second soil and they fall away. you know, the good news is you're never without hope. Even, even Phil the philosopher, uh, those who fall away uh, after accepting Christ, there's still hope. God doesn't give up on them, and we shouldn't as well. But we have an obligation to pour into people, to our children, to, our, to new believers, to help them to grow. So if it is a rocky soil, we can help to pull those rocks out. Okay, the third kind of soil that he talks about, in verses 18 through 19, he said and others are the ones whom seed was sown among the thorns these are the ones who have heard the word and the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful you know these are people that hey this soil is pretty good they they believe they hear they believe the soil is good it starts growing but then they get distracted and they bear no fruit. He said there's a couple things that get them distracted. He talks about the desires for other things. Um, When I disciple guys in my D groups, they're gonna hear about this a lot, that there's three things for guys that are gonna derail us. Um, And it's in the Bible, which is really good that I teach the Bible, but it says lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, boastful pride of life. And we call that gold, girls, and glory. Okay, the three G's. For the, for the women, it's, it's gold, guys, and glory. These are things that distract us the riches of the world that we begin, you know, we're a Christ follower, but our focus really becomes on gathering things and making more and more money. So we're distracted from kingdom things. Um, for guys, especially, sexual temptation is huge out there. With uh, with the internet, internet things that that used to be kind of hidden are now out there and come after us. Um, men can become derailed and spiritually neutral if they get engaged in pornography. You know, it's that lust of the flesh, um, uh, the second G, and then the glory, the the self-centeredness, the boastful pride of life that I'm really living for my own purposes and my own glory. So the three Gs, gold girls and glory or gold guys and glory are things that we have to watch out about because Jesus said these are gonna derail you. And he also talks about the worries of the world. And I think especially over the last year, this has been very, very prominent. We've seen this because what have we been talking about? What's the internet been talking about? What's Facebook talking about? It's talking about um, hey, are you a masker or a non, non-masker? Um, the worries about the pandemic, about all these things going on. Political issues. How much division have we seen over political issues? Um, there are people out there who all you see them posting on Facebook and Instagram is just stuff that's, that's political. And it's like, really, is this your focus? Um, and then also uh, social issues, social justice. So I think we've come out of a time when unfortunately the church has held up a mirror To itself and there are some ugly things out that we've seen i think we have been distracted not that we don't pay attention to these things but when that becomes our our focus when the worries of the of the world become the focus of what we're about then we've been derailed and there's a good chance we're not bearing fruit so what do you do about this how do you how do you how do you keep that how do you keep from slipping into these things you know the lust of the flesh Uh, Lusts of the eyes, boastful pride of life, the worries of of the world. Um, Well, if Jeff were here right now, he would say, read your Bible. And I'm gonna say amen to that, read your Bible. It's important that we make it a habit of spending daily time in the Word word, so that we kind of start thinking biblically. We start viewing things through the lens of what the Bible says is true and not what's coming out about us um, from the media. You know, my habit, uh, guys who work with me know this, is I get up in the morning, and what's the very first thing I do in the morning? Coffee, Coffee. good, good job, yeah. It's not reading my Bible. I can't read my Bible without coffee, but I have that first cup of coffee, and I wake up, I talk to Cindy, we do all that stuff, and then I get my second cup of coffee, and what do I do? I read my Bible, yeah, because then I'm awake, I'm, I'm alert, Now, I'm not advocating two cups of coffee in the morning. I'm advocating three, but that's a whole different message. We'll talk about that at some point. Um, So make it a habit. I mean, that's just what I do naturally. It's what I do. I get up in the morning. We make the coffee. Cindy and I sit in our sunroom, and we sip the coffee. We slowly wake up. We talk about things that are going on. and, And then I say, okay, I'm going upstairs. I go up into my office. I close the door, and I spend time in the Word every day. We need to make that a habit. We've been talking about that forever and ever and ever. Let's make that a habit of who we are, that we are people of the word. And then another thing that I use to, to make sure that I'm living for kingdom values and not my own values um, is, is I pray through the structure of the Lord's Prayer every day. And the reason I do this is because, you know, when the Jesus followers said, hey, how should we pray? Jesus said, pray like this. and. I'm kind of taking him by his word of, okay, maybe I should pray like that. Jesus said, pray this way. Okay, I'm gonna pray that way. And guess what, it works. It's a great prayer. Um, I don't necessarily just do it by rote but I make this a habit, this is the structure of my prayer and what I've seen is it helps to realign my values and my my purpose every day. Because you start out our Father in heaven, you get this intimacy where you mean we can call God Father. This was new, it was radical in Jesus' time. We have this intimacy, but then he says, hallowed be your name, this holiness of God. We have intimacy, yet there's this separation. There's this, there's this gap between us because he is holy, and so I worship him a little bit. But then it goes into, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And my prayer every day, and I would encourage all of us, is I don't go to God and say, God, here's my plans, here's my kingdom, would you come and bless these things? I really need a new job i need a new car i need all these things now i say your priorities your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven may you make your priorities may, may my priorities be what you say is a priority so every day i have to yank myself off the center of the universe because we all crawl up there at night and without being purposeful and intentional about pulling ourselves off we look around and say, oh, everything really is about me. Well, I'm a pretty nice person, so I'm, I'm okay being here at the center of the universe. But we have to daily remind ourselves, God is God, we're not, we're living for his purposes and he's not here just to bless my plans, but we're here to bless him. You know, I use the example a lot of times, the difference between prominence and preeminence. God does not want to be prominent in your life. God doesn't not want prominence in your life of I, I have my job, I have my kids, I do this. Oh yeah, and I read my Bible and I go to church. That's not the relationship he wants. If I go to Cindy and I say, Cindy, you are a very prominent woman in my life. How's that gonna work out for me? <laughs> there's no dinner, there's no whatever. What do you mean I'm prominent? I don't wanna be prominent. She needs to be the preeminent woman in my life. I say, Cindy, there's no other woman in my life like you, you, you are preeminent above all. And in the same way, God doesn't want to be a piece of our lives. He doesn't want us to, to say, I have all these other things and number seven, I have God. He wants to be preeminent. He wants, that. he wants us to be a radical people who are a little bit weird. And I don't mean that in a I mean weird about we are so radical for God and his kingdom. That's what it means to really follow Jesus. So the fourth soil Verse 20, he says, the fourth soil are those, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. So these are people that hopefully these are people like us that we hear the word, we believe it, we make Christ the center of our lives and we're actually bearing fruit. We're bearing fruit not only in, spirit, in, in fruit of the Spirit, but also we're seeing multiplication. We're interacting with people. We're seeing people come to come to Christ as a result of our testimony. Um, there was another guy that we met in Rome, and I have to set this up a little bit. So we were outside the city walls. We were at the International Christian Church of Rome, which, as I said, is kind of at the edge of the city. And one of the things about Rome is when you're traveling around Uh, you use all the public transportation. So Google Maps is your friend. You can go into Google Maps and say, I um, I want to go to this place. It gets your location. It says, here are three options for you. You can take this bus, this bus, this subway, or whatever. And so we looked at it and say, okay, there's apparently a bus stop about a mile and a half out even further on the edge of the city that if we go there be a bus there in 10 minutes or so. And then that's the quickest way to get there. So we went out there. So we're standing, you know, this is busy street, kind of like, uh, almost like an interstate kind of thing. We're on the very edge of Rome, um, middle of nowhere. And this guy walks up to us and he says, hey, uh, do you guys know where I can buy a bus ticket? Now, first of all, we're wondering, how did he get here um, if he didn't have a bus ticket? Because we're like in the middle of nowhere. We started talking to the guy. The guy was from it was from Kazakhstan, his name was Genghis, he said, My, it rhymes with Genghis, his name was Genghis, and um, we didn't ask him, why are you from Kazakhstan, why you're out here, and how did you get here anyway, we didn't go into all that, which was kind of weird, but um, one of the people that we were with actually had like a spare ticket that he could use that hadn't been punched yet, and so they gave him the ticket, and he said, how much do I owe you for that, and he was like, no no, no, it's free, take it, it's free, and he's like, oh, no, I want to pay you. No, no, it's free. It's kind of like what God has done for us. You know, what a great opportunity for the gospel. We got to share the gospel with this guy. He was attentive. He was interested. And he said, you know, I have these friends in Kazakhstan who are Baptists, and they're always telling me these these same things. And, and I just wonder if maybe God's trying to get my attention. And we said, yeah, I think he is. What are the chances of some people from Atlanta, Georgia, meeting a guy from Kazakhstan at a remote bus stop in Rome. I mean, come on, is this like, this is crazy. So I said, God is after you, bro. God is, God is calling you. Now, unfortunately, I can't follow up with him, but he left saying, you know, I'm going to pursue this. Um, I have friends who are Baptist. Uh, I'm going to be studying in Budapest, and I know some people there, so I'm going to follow this. I'm going to go to church next week. Praise God. That was Fertile soil that was that was good soil. Now we don't know uh, is he the second soil where he receives it with joy and he, and he falls away. But there was something about this guy, and it was just too weird uh, to be by accident. You know that it wasn't a coincidence that God had us intersect with this guy from the other side of the planet. So I think he's an example of somebody with 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 good soil. So to wrap this up, you know what Jesus says here is. Um, hey, as we share the gospel with people, as we go about building the kingdom, you know, we're about being disciples who make disciples. He said, hey, uh, at best, only 25% of the people that you talk to are gonna be committed Christ followers. So first of all, set your expect- expectations. Don't be confused or don't be surprised when there's some people who reject you, when some people fall away, when some people don't bear fruit. Um, So that's one application, just to have a perspective. But a question that I have for us is which soil are you? Which soil am I? Now, um, Jeff and I get into this thing where we start making interpretations that are kind of like our own interpretations. And Jeff said, this is not necessarily the word of God, it's the word of Jeff. So what I'm about to tell you, this is the word of Tim. This is my interpretation of this. I think perhaps... The first two soils are people who never really accepted Christ. Obviously, the first person. The second person, yeah, they're excited about it, but they fall away. Um, I think those were probably people who didn't accept Christ. My fear is that there are a lot of people who are third soil people. That, um, yeah, we've accepted Christ. We believe, we're rooted, we're growing but you know what? The kingdom of God is really not a priority in our lives. That, um, yeah, I'm a nice person, and I go to church, and I do all these things, but um, but God is really not the priority, and I'm not bearing fruit. Uh, spiritual fruit of, of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, um, and I might be doing some things there, but am I, am I multiplying? Am I bearing spiritual fruit? Because, you know, the other person in this dialogue here is when Jesus gave this parable, obviously he was the sower, he was doing that. Well, guess what? Jesus is no longer walking on earth and we are now the sowers. We have the responsibility to be those people who are sowing the seed of the gospel. So I believe that in the context of this parable, That what it means to bear fruit is, yes, I become more and more like a disciple of Jesus, that I look more and more like him, but also I am making disciples. I'm intentional about reaching out to people who don't know Christ. And, you know, we talked about that a lot. We talk about being disciples, make disciples, but we want to help you out with this because we're saying, hey, go out there and do that. Well, we haven't given you tools to do it. We've been saying, you know, pray, do all these, these things. Not that I'm negating prayer. But um, we want to help you with some tools, and I think there 's two vital tools that we all need: One, we need to be able to share our testimony. Uh, we need a three minute testimony because nobody can argue with what God has done in your life. I am a, an eyewitness to what Christ has done in my life. My life was radically changed. I think there 's a lot of people here whose lives are radically changed as well, so we need a testimony and we need a clear gospel presentation and we 've been working on that we 're going to be rolling that out to everybody, helping you with that and Beginning on September 15th, if you want to learn more about not only how to be a disciple, but how to make disciples, of how to make sure that you are that fourth soil where you're multiplying, where you're seeing your life to have an impact 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold, um, we're going to be rolling out a 10-week missional community that's going to meet on Wednesday nights here at the church, uh, 7 to 8.30 or 7.30 to 9 o'clock. And let me tell you a little bit about this. Um, we did a pilot uh, last spring where there was a few of us here at church that we went through this uh, this Bible study, it's a 10-week Bible study, kind of all around what it means to be a missional community, to live on mission. And unlike most Bible studies where you know we're learning some good spiritual truths and it's more applicable to me, the whole focus of this missional community was to reach out to people who don't know Christ. You know, one of the homework assignments, in addition to reading scriptures every week, is you got to spend two hours a week with people who don't know Christ. And for many of us who have been Christians for a long time, it's like, i got to think about that. Where am I going to go and spend two hours? And so we, we had a big board that we would write down the names of people, and we'd be praying for them. And I think everybody, we'll probably get some people talking about this. Everybody who went through that missional community walked away saying, wow, that was, had a big impact on my life. Because sharing the gospel, sowing the seed leaks in us. We become comfortable. We don't wanna be bothered with it. We're afraid of it. There's a million reasons why we don't share the gospel. But this missional community will be something that if you would like to be a part of it, and I would encourage you to do that for 10 weeks, Come together. Let's encourage one another. Let's give you the tools you need. Let's pray for one another. And I would be really, really surprised if we didn't see people people come to Christ as a result of this missional community. So that's going to begin September 15th on Wednesday nights, uh, 7 o'clock or 7.30 p.m. It's going to last 10 weeks. It's going to be about 90 minutes each Wednesday. And I want to encourage you because, you know, we take this seriously, our mission of a church, of being disciples and making disciples, and we want to grow in that together. Okay, so I'm going to pray for us, and we are going to um, go into a time of communion. So, um, as I pray, after I pray, Joseph is going to come up. He's going to give us a, the appropriate um, ambiance as we take communion. Communion elements are up here on the front. If you want to do the ones that have not been touched by human hands, they're back here, the old school ones. They're they're back on the back. But I'm going to pray. And then um, we're gonna have a time when you can come, come and take communion. Actually, take it back to your seats and we'll take it all together. And I want you to think about two things. You know, when Jesus talked about, or when we when see in the Bible, scripture about taking communion, there's really two things that are, that are taught to us. Jesus said, as often as you do it, remember me, okay, we know that. Paul also says, whenever we do this, examine your hearts. So I want us to spend a little time before you get up and you take the elements. Examine your heart. Um, ask God to show you, what kind of soil am I? Am I bearing fruit for his kingdom? Do I need to grow? What do you want me to do to make, to make more of an impact for, for your kingdom? And if you're sitting there and you're saying, you know what, God's really not uh, preeminent in my life, let's pray about that. Let's ask God to change us from the inside and let's make a commitment to God to get up tomorrow morning first thing and have a cup of coffee And then have a second cup of coffee with God in the word, okay? I'm going to pray, and then you guys can take communion, uh, get your elements, take it back to your seat. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have revealed secrets of the kingdom of God to us through this scripture, through this parable, this story about farming, which at first just seems like a simple story, Lord. But to those who put their trust in you, you have shown us spiritual truths about your kingdom and how your kingdom spreads. And Lord, I pray for all of us as we examine our hearts, Lord, that you would show us if you are just a priority in our lives or not even a priority, I pray that you would make that that clear to us, God, that we would make you preeminent in our lives, that we would live for you, we would seek you and your kingdom first. And Lord, I pray for for all of us that we would become um, better at being not only the soil, but also the sowers. I pray that you would uh, give us Uh, Just images in our minds of people that we need to reach out to spend time with that uh, the aroma of Christ can rub off on those relationships that as they get to know us, they would get to know you and you would give us boldness to share the truth of your gospel, God. So uh, Lord, speak to us at this time as we prepare our hearts to take the Lord's Supper and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.